Hey, Greg Rice here from the Art of Communication podcast. And if you're wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then you need to be listening to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Giannoutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. The purpose of the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level, but finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire all change. I don't believe we have enough effective leaders in the world today. And if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change and they can inspire real change, that'd be fantastic. Hey, listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world. And I have a guest today, and his name is Greg Rice. And uh, Greg is the founder and host of the Art of the Communication podcast, where he helps entrepreneurs and leaders transform their businesses and lives by enhancing their fundamental communication skills. He is also the founder and CEO of Authentic Connection Academy, where he helps business leaders massively increase their influence by being genuine to who they truly are. Greg has worked with hundreds of entrepreneurs, helping them to become better leaders, increase sales, and raise funding. He has helped his clients raise over $20 million in early-stage funding. He also has a history of blowing away sales goals, managing multi-million dollar relationships with Fortune 500 executives across a variety of industries. Hey, Greg, hey, welcome to today's show. Thanks, Dennis. It's great to be here. I'm really excited to be on the show. Awesome. Hey, um, I've just given an introduction about you, Greg. So if we can just sort of get you to share a little bit more about your background and um, yeah, so just give us a little bit more about that. Yeah, for sure. It's actually pretty diverse. So uh, out of school, I kind of started my career in banking and financial services. Didn't really love that and and shifted into managerial consulting, where I actually worked with a lot of entrepreneurs and small businesses and helping them turn their innovations into companies, build commercialization plans, raise funding. And that was actually the time I really started to get interested in communication. Um, I sat on a number of investment boards and investment screening committees, and I would time and time again, see companies come through with a bad idea, but beat out somebody with a better idea because they had the connections, they had the network, right? Mm. And that is really where I started to understand why connections are really what it's about. You know, you can have a better mousetrap, but you need the connections too. Nice. So from there, I moved into a variety of roles selling to Fortune 500 clients in the market research space and over time managed teams of analysts and salespeople. Um, and again, I, I got fascinated with how do you communicate in from a leadership position? How do you communicate with your employees and your team to make them perform better? And at first, I say I, I wasn't good at it at all. You know, I was trying to be something I wasn't. I thought I had to have all the answers. I had very little patience for people telling me this is hard. You know, I'm like, hey, get it done. And over time, I learned that that was not very effective, right? So I started learning to have more empathy 
for their situation, having more vulnerability and being more honest about who I was and the fact that I didn't have the answer. And over time, it led to much better relationships with my employees and much better performance of my team. Right. right? So throughout all that time, I was diving into best practices around communications and connections and influence. And what I found was a lot of what's out there is, is kind of crappy, right? A lot of it is, hey, make eye contact. Hey, mirror everything they do with their body, which just ends up looking kind of weird, you know, or it's really hard to execute. Like it's really hard to pay attention to their eyes their facial expressions, their body language, their tone, tone of voice, and still understand what they're saying with their mouth, <laughs> you know? So I got kind of obsessed with figuring out what worked and creating little bite-sized ways of practicing so that I could get better, you know? So whether it's how do I leverage eye contact or how do I use body language, right? Taking little pieces and doing them over and over again to get better at it. And that's really where the Art of Communication podcast was born out of, talking to leaders, researching best practices, and trying to understand how other leaders are being more powerful communicators. And that's also where the Authentic Connection Academy came from and that I want to start teaching those bite-sized nuggets to other people, especially entrepreneurs and leaders, to help them transform their lives and transform their businesses. Fantastic. I, 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 it's interesting you say about the eye contact and so forth. I remember doing a workshop one day and we're talking about coaching and having, not just looking at the person, but seeing the whole person and actually then mm -hmm. looking into their eyes and so forth. And I had a guy from a certain country, and this was actually, I was in the US doing the workshop, and he turns around and says to me, hey, Dennis, and his accent, Hey, in my culture, when you look them in the eyes like that, it means we're going to go and do something, you know? And I'm like, oh my. <laughs> so it's quite interesting how you talk about that because every culture is different as well yeah. in the way that we communicate and that we look at things as well, uh, which is quite good. And I, yeah. and I like what you say around the bite size and practicing because we really do need to practice how many leaders, how many business owners, entrepreneurs, they just go in head first. They don't even practice. The practice is when they're doing it live and we're like, hey, that's too late. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's so what that's destroyed what we... kind of the relationship with my team early on, right? I'm kind of learning as I go. Nobody teaches you this stuff. Um, mm. You just do kind of what you think is right and what you think you're supposed to be as a leader. And quite often, that's not the right answer. Wow. Wow. Hey, so how did you actually get into leadership? Because you talked about leading some teams. So how did you actually get into it? Yeah, so er, my earliest, I think, um, experience leading was kind of late in college and earlier in my career, um, where I was very involved around economic development. So I sat on a lot of boards for both college groups, but also broader nonprofit organizations. So that was more of an advisory role, but it was certainly a leadership role where we were, you know, looking at that broader strategy and helping the folks on the ground execute it. Really, really enjoyed that, right? And then as I uh, advanced in my career, right? I mentioned before, I started taking on teams of analysts and salespeople. And that was really my first managerial leadership focus, right? Where I had to figure out how to motivate and help people solve problems that I didn't always have the answer to. It's mm. actually interesting that the first switch from kind of that entrepreneurial helping job, that consulting job to Fortune 500, I came in in a management role. And Though I was interviewing with my boss who had come in at that role as well. And he said, you know what? I started with five people in the same role and all of them are gone now a year later, except for me. You know, I was like, oh, wow, what am I doing here? Right. This is <laughs> it's a really tough situation because um, it's really hard to come in and teach people to be analysts when you haven't already been an analyst yourself. So that was a real struggle for me. But over time, you figure it out, you trial and error, you learn. And what I found is the more you can connect with people as people, understand them, and the more you can be 
yourself, the more you can be authentic and genuine, the better connection you can have with folks and the more effective you can be. And then today, I don't actually manage anybody, but I do, you know, I see leadership in a variety of formats. So I lead my clients, you know, every day I manage about 30 clients or so in the Fortune 500 customer service space, and I'm leading them to help them make the best decisions that they possibly can. And, you know, we build real relationships around that. And then I have five kids, so I'm leading them every day. Four of them are teenagers, and I'm trying to help them make better decisions along the way. And in every situation and scenario, it's it's different what's most effective. But the foundation is connecting with them as people. So, Greg, um, you may have several people, but who's your favorite leader and why? Now, this person could be alive or from history. So who's your favorite leader and why? Yeah, I think it's a great question. And uh, my leader is probably somebody who you've gotten before, but I'm going to go with Abraham Lincoln. Obviously, led us through the Civil War, a really difficult time, right? Gave his life for it. But beyond that, you know, he filled his cabinet with people who had highly dissenting opinions, right? He filled it with political enemies in a way and created a lot of debate and found the middle ground there. He was open to other people's opinions, and I love that. He also never gave up, right? Despite having magnificent failures throughout his life, he never gave up. He always kept trying and trying that next step. So he's a great example from that perspective. And then I also love how he was always able to diffuse any situation with humor and compassion, right? Mm -hmm. He was just very witty and very compassionate and was always able to calm down a really difficult situation. So always, I love reading about him um, and, and emulating him as much as I can. Yeah, and, and that compassion and the human side of it, it's really important nowadays. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm seeing a lot more and more of it being expected by people um, from from in the world, right? Absolutely. Um, uh, well, I yeah. think it goes, it, I think it's, I think there's two sides to that coin. And on, from one hand, it's being expected more and more, um, maybe within the workplace, right? Or from our leaders or the people we have relationships with. On the other hand, though, I think we're becoming less compassionate and empathetic with people who disagree with us and have different views than right. us. And I think we're becoming increasingly um, polarized in that regard. And, and that's a scary thing. And that's something that Hopefully, a little bit of what I'm doing can help with that, right? If I, like I dream of one day being able to set up in-person um, meetings with groups of folks who are all about learning about other people and and you know are open to and have skills around communicating effectively, yes, or even you know creating an app to bring people together to have conversations about things that they might disagree about, while also they have lots of things in common, right? So they build on things they have in common, and then they talk about the one thing they disagree about. Um, I think we need to learn to listen to each other a little bit more. Tremendous. Yep. And listening is fantastic. And that goes just beautifully in the way of the, the art of communication that your podcast is talking about as well, for sure. Hey, um, Greg, this this podcast is called Leadership is Changing. That's the title. Uh, when I talk about that kind of statement, leadership is changing, what, what does that mean to you? Yeah, it can mean so many different things, I think. And everything's changing every day, right? But I think hmm. from what I've seen and felt in leadership, right, every day it seems like leaders are being asked to do more and more. Obviously, right now, we're all doing it remotely, and I think that's going to continue, right? Even after COVID, I think the remote thing's not going to go away. So I think we're going to be asked to do more and more in less and less time and do it remotely when we can't connect with our people face-to-face. -face. So I think all that's going to work against us in a way. So that part is changing. Well, at the same time, you mentioned it before, 
the employees on our team are expecting more emotional sensitivity, uh, more connection, more understanding of their world and where they're at and where they want to go and help them getting to that place. Right. So uh, those two things are changing in opposite directions. And I think we need to build skills to be able to build those connections, even if we can't be face to face, to build those connections remotely and to build real relationships with our people, um, even if we never get to meet them in person. Yep, totally. And virtually in the virtual world, we're seeing so much of that now and it's playing out big time. So talking about the virtual world and the way things are going in the world, how, how has your business or industry changed and what demand has that put on you? Yeah, I think there's, you know, obviously the virtual piece has been a challenge because I love to get out and see people in person and, and meet yeah. them in person. Just good things happen when you're in front of somebody, you know, and I have clients all around the country. So I, I'm traveling a decent amount but I enjoy getting to meet them in person. So I can't do that anymore, right? I can't connect with my team in person anymore. So that's been a challenge. Uh, another shift that I don't know, it's it's not a recent shift, but it's certainly been picking up momentum. And that's quarterly focus, right? So I've worked for some very large companies where it's all about the quarter and we're always sacrificing the long-term future for the short term. And that includes our employees, right? Because we're asking them to achieve these insane goals by the end of the quarter to make our numbers look good. And yep. then the reward for doing that is to outpace that in the next quarter. So do even more. And yes. it's just not sustainable. And, and so that has certainly, I think, been a challenge from a leadership perspective. Another thing that I think has changed in recent years is the way sales decisions are made, right? So it's dramatically different than it used to be, where now folks are collecting most of the research that they need to do on their own, right? They're like 65% of the way through the sales process before they ever talk to a salesperson. Um, and there's a lot more people involved in the selling decision. So you almost have to be a thought leader these days to be an effective seller. And you have to be able to connect with a very diverse group of people to be able to convince the entire group that your solution is the best. Fantastic. Uh, listeners, well, Greg's sharing some great wisdom here and insights in relation to things that he's seen change in his business and the industry as well. And um, Greg, that's, that's brilliant. So you know how we talked a little bit before um, in relation to uh, things, but if a lot of change. If, if there was one thing that you could change in business as a leader today, what, what would that one thing be? Yeah, I think that's a tremendous question. And, you know, I've been talking a lot about the importance of connecting with people as people. Yeah. So for me, it would be to let everybody know that it's actually better to be yourself. It's okay to be vulnerable and it's okay to have empathy and understand others. We don't have to hide behind the shield of um, corporate professionalism. Well, we certainly mm -hmm. have to be professional. We can't cross boundaries, right? It's okay to get to know each other as people. And the best way to connect with somebody is to be vulnerable yourself right? To share how you're feeling about a situation or um, how you felt when this happened. And once you share, you'll be surprised at how folks will open up and share with you. And that's where you really start building relationships, where you start understanding emotions and feelings and important memories and goals and objectives outside of just a professional world. And I think as leaders, a lot of times we're trying to be people who we aren't, right? Like I mentioned before, I was trying to do. We're trying to seem like we always have the answer. We're always right. We're always on top of things. And, and you know, we're always the guy. And that's actually very rarely the case in reality. Yeah, it's almost like you're having to try and be everything to everybody is what you, um, you know, in, in trying to, to be the, the person, be something you're not. 
Exactly. Yeah. I think you learn best and get to the best solutions as a team, right? So you have to have that dialogue and that conversation rather than just saying, hey, this is what we're doing, get it done. Yeah, to right. And I, I think the other thing too is that, you know, <laughs> we've been trying to bring everything to everybody and then, you know, there are more ideas, more brains in the room to come up with ideas and thoughts, way more than you and I could probably do by as an individual. Um, and I think if we can utilize and tap into it, that's a real smart thing to do for sure. Yeah, and it's it's interesting, right? Because it isn't just, okay, I'm in this meeting, I'm going to do this, and we're going to open up to other people's ideas. Maybe that's where it starts, but it's something that you have to open up over time. People have to have mm. that comfort level and that trust that they can share, and it's okay for them to be wrong, and it's okay for them to have a bad idea, right? And they won't be ridiculed for it or punished in some way or or yelled at, right? You have to build that kind of culture and that relationship over time. Yeah, absolutely, and you're right. It's a culture, and it does. You have to have that safe environment, but they – they do have that trust and that rapport that they can say something and they don't feel like they'll be ridiculed for it for sure. Yeah. I, I just real, real quick, I think it also goes back to having a diversity of folks in the room, a diversity mm-hmm. of ideas and personalities and backgrounds. And, you know, studies show that the more diverse a leadership team is, the economically, the better they're achieving, right? The higher their sales, the higher their income. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but the more diverse perspectives you can have in the room and you're actually open to those diverse perspectives, the more effective you're going to be as a company and a leader. Fantastic. Well, diversity is really important, but also building that trust, the rapport with the team, sitting there, listening to them and their ideas, and taking that on board. Fantastic stuff, Greg. Hey, how is, because um, you you and I would, would have known, we've been employees of the past, but also, you know, we know other people who are employees as well. How has employees' expectations of leaders changed? I think we touched on it earlier that employees are increasingly expecting a little bit more of that emotional sensitivity and awareness. And again, it's not, you know, touchy feely kind of emotional stuff, right? It's just having a deeper understanding of who they are and what they want to achieve and, uh, you know, their strengths and weaknesses and who they are. I think they're also looking for leaders to be more of a filter maybe from what's coming from above, right? Because especially in the Fortune 500 corporate world, it's always do more, do more, do more, do more with less time and less money. And the leader almost has to be a filter so that Avalanche doesn't overrun his team and his employees. He can't just pass it along. He has to manage upwards and make sure expectations are set appropriately and, and then help his team achieve those objectives. Yeah, very good. And and I think that... Um... I, the leaders that I've seen who have been very successful have been that buffer, who have been that filter, as you call it, um, for a lot of a lot of teams. And it sort of takes the noise away, if I can put it that way, and sort of helps people get on with what they need to get on with. And I think that's been, uh, that's the probably the best way that I could probably put it. And I think what I like about what you're saying there is the filter. So if there is an avalanche or just sort of prevent the avalanche from happening, the teams can get on with what they need to get on with and what they're really good at. Uh, which I think is important. Yeah, and I think from so from a sales perspective, something I've experienced, right, is I've had a leader in the past that fought really hard for, um, say, obtainable sales quotas, right, where, you know, leadership just had uh, unobtainable expectations and our leader fought to get them in a more reasonable a more reasonable range, which allowed us to be more successful, make more money, feel better about our job, all those things, right? And that that really yep. built a lot of trust for me because I saw them put their neck on the line to help us out. And that that was, you know, really important for me as somebody who was part of their team. 
Yeah, and it's awesome. Like they've got the you've got they've got your back as well in helping you, you know, set you up for success. So having that back and that, and and that's actually a good way to feel about it too. Which which it's 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 you see people fly and you see people do really well when they have that kind of environment because they know that they can get on with it, and they probably can take a little bit more risks and and do some things outside and be a little bit more innovative, knowing that they they're going to be okay. Yeah. And, and on the flip side, I've seen leaders yeah. pass the blame down, right? So yep. I've certainly been in situations where I was with a leader and you know they, they motivated a certain path of action. That path didn't work out. Now we're with a more senior leader and the leader who drove us down that path is like, I don't know, Greg, why'd you do that? <laughs> you know, oh, wow. um, And that, that destroys trust, obviously, and creates a lot of resentment. Um, I'm still angry thinking about it. You know, I'm no longer, I, I haven't worked with them for a long time, but um, uh, I'm still angry thinking about it. Amazing how, you know, even time has gone by and you're still angry about it. I mean, it, I don't know about you, Greg, but what I notice is that it takes time to build that trust and credibility. It takes a lot of time, but then it can be lost so quickly. Absolutely. Uh, within yeah. seconds, minutes, and it's just amazing. Hey, you know, we've, we're in a real fast, um, ever-changing world, fast-paced. What makes a leader successful today in this fast-paced, ever-changing world? Yeah, I'm going to keep banging on that same drum, right? It's yeah. taking the time to build real relationships with their people. When you really know them and understand them, understand how to communicate them in a way that resonates with them as a unique person, you understand their strengths and weaknesses and objectives. I think at the end, it takes longer to build that, but in the end, it saves time because you know what project is great for Bob over here and Julia over there. Yep. Right. And and you know what they want to achieve in their career and you know what they're good at, not good at. And you know what's important to them as individuals and you know what their family situation is. Right. So you can best manage them by understanding them most effectively, I think. Yeah, it's amazing how it does save you time in the long run. Um, some people sort of, sort of think that they won't, but it, it certainly does um, save time, uh, which is a really good thing, because for a lot of people, they try to give everybody the piece of the fish, right, rather than teaching them how to fish. And I think, as you're saying, <laughs> giving them that time and then taking time to invest in it, it does save you time and money in the, in the long run, um, which is a good thing to see. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Greg, if I was to get you to get your crystal ball out and start thinking about the future, uh, where do you see leadership being in five years? Yeah, I think, you know, I have some fear that it's just going to become more remote more fast-paced, more focused on the quarter, right? Mm. More to do, less time, and more burnout, right? I think that's certainly a risk in some companies. And on the flip side, I think some organizations are going to continue to figure it out, and they're going to empower their leaders to take that step back and start focusing more on relationship building because that's going to pay off a lot more long-term. So I think we're certainly going to see some of both. And those companies that haven't figured out are going to attract the best leaders by far because great leaders aren't going to want to stick around in a situation where they're just being forced to treat their teams terribly because they're being treated terribly. Mm, mm, yep, yep. And it, we do run the risk of it being faster and faster. And I think with the things like the pandemics and things like that, it's actually forced us to slow things down a bit, um, mm -hmm. just to sort of take some stock and, and look at things. But also it's still getting fast. And technology is uh, helping it go fast, but also is it helping us do things as well. I mean, even, you know, you think about us recording a podcast, you're on one side of the world, and I'm on the other side of the world. And it's just amazing mm -hmm. to see how we can use technology to do things like that, which is, which is always awesome. Good. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Hey, Greg. Hey, look, thank you for joining us on today's show. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where, where should they go? 
Yeah, a couple different places. So one, I just put together a free six-week body language mastery course. Um, so it's an e-course, one lesson a week for six weeks, partnered with the uh, some of the leaders out there on teaching body language. They've taught over 50,000 business leaders around the world. So it's really great stuff. You can find that at bodylanguagemastery.gregjrice.com. Again, it's bodylanguagemastery.gregjrice.com. They can also check out the podcast, the Art of Communication podcast, on any of the major podcasting platforms. And they can also find it at gregjrice.com. And actually there, they can even schedule time to, to chat with me. Um, I'd love to you know, grab 15 minutes and just hear what your thoughts are from a leadership and communication perspective and, and, and help you maybe figure some things out. Tremendous, Greg. Hey, once again, thanks for joining us on uh, us on the show today. It's been a real pleasure having you here. Yeah, thanks so much. It's been uh, I've really enjoyed our conversation, and cool. I really enjoy your podcast. Awesome, thank you. Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and the unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in a fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Look out for the episodes as they are published. Uh, download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating. Hey, if there's any feedback you'd like to give me on the show, or if there's a question you'd like me to ask my guests as I interview them, or if you have a question for the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode, send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. All right, listeners, always a pleasure being here with you on this show. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world.